0: This is Fight Night, a new podcast from iHeartRadio. They thought he had robbed a deadliest man in this country, guys who would not hesitate to blow your head off.
1: This story from Atlanta, Georgia, has been reported for 50 years. But now, for the first time, you're going to hear what really happened from the people who lived it. Listen and follow Fight Night on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: After you listen to today's podcast, here's one to add to your playlist. I'm Christian O'Connell, and I've had this thought for a while. What if you took the world's funniest and most interesting people... Hello, I'm Ricky Gervais. Celeste Barber.
2: Don't ever call me Beyonce.
0: I'm Russell Brand. ...and asked them to share the stories behind their three most treasured items. No doubt about it, the guitar. I think I know the same chords now as I did when I was 14. <laughs> From iHeartRadio, this is The Stuff of Legends. Add it to your playlist for free. Just search for Stuff of Legends in your podcast app.
3: For the week of Thursday, July 2nd, the calendar has officially rolled over into the second half of 2020 and into our fifth month of coronavirus lockdowns. And that's not all we have to be concerned about. While the political left expresses concerns about possible election tampering in November, the conservative right is casting doubts about the integrity of mail-in voting. And just to make sure that none of us can really sleep at night, Russia rears its head into our national dialogue once again. I'm Clay Aiken for Politicon, and I wonder, is it really plausible that the president didn't know about bounties placed on the heads of U.S. troops by Russia? What's more important, election integrity or voting access? And are they mutually exclusive? Ida Rodriguez is a comedian, actress, author, and mother, currently starring in Tiffany Haddish's Netflix comedy, They Ready? John Orloff is an acclaimed screenwriter whose writing for HBO's series Band of Brothers earned him an Emmy nomination and who recently turned his talents to political ad-making. And Sonny Johnson is a regular contributor for Breitbart.com, a speaker, a Tea Party activist, and the host of Sonny's Corner on SiriusXM's Patriot channel. I'll ask them those questions, as well as some questions submitted by you. And if we're lucky, one of them might even know, how the heck are we going to get along? Thank you guys so much for being with us tonight, um, today. I never, I never know if I'm supposed to talk about it. We, we record this on Wednesday nights. I'm not sure if people know that already. I imagine they they figured it out, because I always say tonight, but um comes out on Thursdays. But uh, we're, it's we're all... Snuggled up in here with a nice uh, evening thunderstorm in North Carolina. And we got Sonny Johnson, John Orloff, and Ida Rodriguez with us uh, for this week's episode. Hello to everybody. Thank you guys for joining us.
2: Thank you for having us. Thank you back. Thanks for
3: being thanks for being back. Ida, I'm a friend of the friend of the of the Politicon podcast and everyone else, uh new family members also. It has been a it's been a news heavy week. I feel like I'm it kind of sounds stupid to say it's a news-heavy week every week because it seems like every week is one. But this this Russia story has probably been um, the biggest one of the week. Would you say that's probably the biggest news story of the week? Uh, anyone want to disagree with that? I think it's probably the big one. Um, and, and I got to say, I, I, I want to get an understanding from y'all as to how much we should be concerned about this um, this entire story about russia uh, putting bounties on u.s service members heads um, to get taliban fighters to to kill u.s service members in afghanistan Uh, the president's response or his some people say lack of response to it is this sunny i want to ask you we'll start with you is that is this something we need to be concerned about how how worried are you
4: Well, anything that comes out of Russia, we have to make sure we we keep an eye on because they are one of the biggest geopolitical foes that we have. And so we are at the moment looking, you know, most eyes are on China. And when Russia has the ability to move without inspection, they tend to do things that um, will undermine and undercut what we're trying to do in America. So whenever you hear anything coming out of Russia, we need to be very very wary about understanding who they are, what they want as far as to eclipse us as being uh the biggest force and um dominating force that you can that ha- that they have in Europe right now. And allow their influence to continue to spread. And I think so. A lot of the things that they are doing with their energy industries, and a lot of the uh, things that they are doing with inside their own borders, should give us a lot of concern as well as they lock down more and more on their own people. So it's a lot but, of things coming out of Russia that we can right, be looking but killing at right troops,
3: now. but right. killing U.S. troops—that's a pretty big deal, would you not
4: say? But <laughs> that's when you hear that, and you're and and the. It's always the thing that you hear is one hand, but you need to be watching what they're doing with the other hand. And that's what I mean. You're going to get a bigger impact over their new um, energy deals than you're going to get out of this story. And it's more important for us if we're going to be looking at the safety of Europe going forward, because I don't think that they are a direct threat to the american homeland but if we're going to be looking at the security of europe going forward that is something we need to be taking um taking a real real serious look at i am for pulling the troops out of afghanistan from the get-go so this wouldn't even be something we had to discuss or worry about if we just bring our troops home and i am for that in in fact i think we've been there too long we've spent too much blood and treasure and it's time for our people to come home
3: Heidi, you want to jump in here Sorry, Joe, go for it. Go, go for it,
4: John. You jump in.
1: How, how about Germany? Should we be pulling troops out of Germany like we are doing?
4: We have with Germany. We have deals with Germany to be there. Germany wants us there, and that is a, right, di- right. a but, very but big difference gonna,
1: between. Right, Trump well, just said we're going to take out nine thousand American troops out of Germany, which. You know, kind of upsets the Germans because they're well, very they worried were about paying, the Russians. Then
4: they should have took that money that they were supposed to be invested in their own military and invested in on a, in their own military. We are not here to hold their hands through protection of their own That's borders we, and their we, own,
3: own country. Whoa, folks! Hold on now. Let me let me let me, resta- <laughs> the let me restate the title about? of the show here before y'all get carried away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> before we get, we usually don't. We usually go at least fifteen minutes before someone starts fighting with each other. I want to focus. I'm going to bring it to Ida um, I, because I want to. I will say, Sonny, I really want to double down on this specific issue with Russia putting bounties on the heads of, of U.S. service members. And I, I'm not going to discount what you said about Russia being a threat in lots of areas, certainly. But I want, but, th- but what's been in the news this week has been this particular story. And Ida, I'd love to hear you weigh in on how concerned you are about that, or if that is, or if you think it's overblown that this is something that countries do all the time. Wh- what's your take on this story in general that's kind of taken over the the media right now?
2: Well, I mean, with respect to um, I agree with Sonny, I think that um, it is important for us to pay attention to what Russia is doing. And of course, you know, a lot of us call ourselves, you know, patriots. And when you see these these situations with the soldier that they just found whose body they just found in Fort Hood or the, the soldiers who end up being casualties abroad for the corruption of governments and all of this stuff. Uh, Of course, if we are to call ourselves patriots, we should be alarmed about the fact that we are losing lives at the hands of, you know, a government that we know does not care about the well-being of this country and would love to see us under their thumb as well. Um, But, you know, I think that we also we always um, and, you know, I'm not a Donald Trump fan nor supporter, but we always uh, scapegoat with Donald Trump and we don't hold other people accountable like the people in the military who and the people in government who are also part of decisions that are being made on behalf of the United States. And we take into account that Donald Trump is aware of all of this stuff that's happening when he's, you know, he said he doesn't read everything. He doesn't, he doesn't. So he's not up on everything that's going on. Of course, I think we should be, we should care about that. My uncle served in the military for 30 years and he was he was on uh, at several tours, and he was out in active combat. Combat. Do you think you know how I would feel that he was a would be a casualty to his own government, who he you know pledged his life to to go out and fight on the behalf of the freedom of the American people. So yeah, I think it's a big it's a big deal, and I think it's one of the many things that Putin and his corrupt government that we you know we enable and we're complicit with at times. Uh, do that they continue to do to undermine our democracy
3: john any thoughts on this afghanistan story
1: specifically uh yeah yeah i mean i i have a little bit of a, a different take um i think it's an incredibly big effing deal um and i think that um this is something to completely blame on trump um and his inaction and to call him out on it it is unprecedented that we would be in the situation without an actual reaction, a formal reaction. And in terms of um, responsibility, I would argue that this is the kind of thing that there really is only responsibility at the extreme top. I I would argue that nobody on a a lower level than cabinet level could make any decision... That's right. Yeah. Talking. OK. Could could make any decision about, about this kind of issue about, you know, Putin personally dealing with this, you know. Yeah. Um, but
3: I mean, th- some people would say, John, that that, well, some people would facts would say that countries have done this type of thing that Russia is doing and have been doing it for decades. We we did it arguably in Afghanistan ourselves um, uh, when when we tried to. Back in the '80s, when the Mujahideen was um, in power, and we were we were trying to get rid of of that situation um, as they were breaking. Uh, the Russians. Off. So right. So we we've done it ourselves. Other countries have done it to our troops. Iran, uh, maybe more than we actually can than we actually know about. So is it the action of Russia that you're more concerned about, um, and what they have done, or is it the action or the lack of action from the administration that bothers you more?
1: Yeah, it's exactly the latter. Um, you're right. This is a way that, that war is fought, whether it's a cold war or a hot war, and uh, mercenaries and paying people and, and intermediaries is, is a way of of doing warfare. The question then becomes, well, what do you do about it when you are the target of it? And in this case, the answer has been nothing. Um, and, and that seems to be... Um, Kind of reprehensible in, in, in my personal opinion.
4: Okay, what should be done then? I mean, if, if if uh unverified news report says that this is happening, what exactly should be done? Like should we okay. start what we exactly can, we can should we sure. be doing at this point?
1: You can you for can an
4: unverified same. report.
3: Well, well, I mean, let's 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 take the unverified part out because it's all hypothetical anyway. So if we so if, exactly if so we're, we're going to have a hypothetical question, if we're going to have a hypothetical question, then we're going to have a say, question, what you we're going to we're gonna hypothetical assume that a question. Well, hypothetically, let me finish what I'm saying. If we are going to have a hypothetical question, let's just go ahead and say, what should we do? If Russia is putting bounties on the heads of U.S. service members, and I want to ask you, Sonny, first. Uh, you should uh, let you, you. Are you saying that you don't think that anything should be done? First and foremost, Russia,
4: again, I would say our troops shouldn't be there, and and then we wouldn't be having this discussion. So I'll start off by first and foremost saying that. And again, but they're there, and
3: they're U.S. service members, again, and they are service members who we should support. Yes,
4: an unverified report, and I, that cannot be left out because it's it can acting, because we're
3: doing a, it can because we're doing a hypothetical, and so hypothetically, when, if a country and, and puts actually, a bounty. I, I, If a country puts a bounty on the head of a U.S. service member, what should we do? Let him go ahead because he's
4: getting ready to say he doesn't think that is unverified. And that's the reason that I kept saying that it was. (laughs) Okay.
3: I'm saying you wanted to have a hypothetical situation. So let's do it. Let's not even include Russia. Let's say it's North Korea because we're doing hypotheticals, right? North Korea, Sonny, has placed bounties on the heads of U.S. service members and told the Taliban they will pay... North Korea will pay Taliban uh, soldiers who killed U.S. service members. What should we do in that situation? Not Russia. Hypothetically, North Korea has done it. It's, How should it, we respond? To me, it,
4: it really doesn't matter who is doing it. The fact anyone who, um, who, were to, who was to put targets on our troops and actually carry through with the threats should meet the full force of the United States military on the battlefield. So if they are in that area and they think that that money is so tempting that they want to try our troops, then I would say let the complete if, if our troops are going to be there, then give them the power to lethally assault anyone that would come after their ability to come home to their family and the, to their country. I okay, would so what unleash them so in a I'm way is that would, would be fight. so devastating that anyone who, who thought- of,
3: Who are you unleashing them on the in this field, hypothetical? On the okay, battlefield,
4: whoever went to do the attack, I would make it so no one would want that money. That money would seem like it was not worth the risk of even touching it because okay. the annihilation that comes with it would not be worth the momentary payoff that you were getting in that situation. And again, okay. that is a hypothetical. <laughs>
3: Okay, it's a hypothetical, but in your hypothetical, I just want to make sure I understand because you're, I don't want you to, I, the whole purpose of this podcast is to try to have a discussion. You don't need to be upset. I'm not coming for you. I just I'm want to understand. I don't. Just, I just want I'm, to understand, but I want to make sure I'm clear because it sounds to me like you're saying that in that hypothetical, if North Korea were paying the Taliban to kill U.S. soldiers, you would attack the Taliban, and Seriously. you would do nothing to North Korea?
4: Not, oh, I would send a message to North Korea, but the first part is the protection of the soldiers, unless it's something else that uh, I'm supposed to be looking at. What's so the first message to North foremost, Korea? Because I
3: just want to get that part first together First and foremost and it.
4: is the, that we are going to protect our soldiers. And anyone you send into the vicinity of any of our soldiers, this is what they are going to be met with. Now, if you want to go into talking about or are we going to put sanctions on them or like those kind of things we could talk about before the immediate safety of the soldiers on the ground, eliminating the immediate threat would be the most important thing to do. And making sure that anybody that was close enough to be able to assault our soldiers understood full well the total amount of annihilation that would come with it. I would make that Moab that was dropped in Afghanistan Look like a, a a small pipe bomb in comparison to what would happen, and if that is not current, if that I is not current, then we would <laughs> find things- a harder way to make sure we are enunciating just how serious we are about the protection of our troops. Okay,
3: so I'm just just so I know, I, I think I got you. I want to go on and let the other two have a, a say in it, but I just want to make sure I'm clear. In this hypothetical situation, the first attacks would be against the Taliban for taking the money. And and not necessarily toward North Korea, which, you know, I got to tell you, girl, that doesn't sound like... The plan of somebody who wants to get out of Afghanistan. That sounds like the plan of somebody who wants to stay in Afghanistan. We
4: wouldn't be in <laughs> Afghanistan, so you can't say that I would want to stay there if my initial reaction was we shouldn't be there in the first place.
3: Okay, John, what do you think? Would and, and we're going to keep it this hypothetical for the sake of it, fairness. It, it, what do you think you would do to North Korea? How do you feel like we should respond?
1: Well, the North Korea is slightly is actually a different situation because. Uh, you can't do a lot to North Korea because we're already doing country, everything country we B. can do. Country A, Korea. country A. Right. It doesn't country matter who it is. A, How would you respond? You would you would respond with sanctions. You would, they're talking about maybe personally doing sanctions against Putin so that he wouldn't be able to, to fly in international flights. I mean, there's all sorts of things you you can do, including like-minded retaliation where we start putting hits on their guys. I mean, there's all sorts of things that go the gamut from just money to really nasty, dirty stuff.
3: Ida, Ida do you think that this is the type of issue um, that will affect the president in his re-election chances in November any at all? Do you think this is something that that ha- carries more weight, or do you think that it is not really going to register simply because it's one of, of many other things people are upset about?
2: Well, I mean, I think it depends on who you're you're talking about, right? And first of all, John, I, I wasn't saying that Donald Trump should not be held accountable. What I was saying was that it's sheer, strictly the focus is always on him and there are a right. lot of people in Washington who are complicit. And what is happening right now? And, Absolutely, um, yeah. I want to say that you know, I'm not speaking about Republicans only. I'm talking about all of the, the people who are in Washington taking big checks and are really enjoying the oppression of the working man in America. Um, so when we we when we talk about uh, this uh, this hypothetical situation being affecting Donald Trump, when I, when it comes to his base, no, because his base is going to follow him blindly wherever because they have dedicated themselves to his agenda and his agenda is what his agenda is. And, and that's up for interpretation for whoever you're asking. For me, it is a very specific agenda that affects people of color and affects it affects us in a very specific way, which is what you see in what's happening in this country. And that to me does not have anything to do with him being a Republican. And that's what the Republicans are doing to people. That has been a systemic issue that America has had or hundreds of years, and it is across the aisle, people taking checks and they're benefiting from the oppression of, of the working man and the everyday man, specifically when you're talking about people of color. Is it going to affect him with other people who consider themselves patriots and are not uh, Donald Trump supporters? If they, if they verify these alleged, you know, charges or, or, or accusations or whatever it is, yeah, it's going to affect him. But I think that you know, we're on fire right now. There is just stuff happening on, on. I mean, you pick and choose. Every day It's a, a brand new headline. You know, the media has become a clown show. Everybody's getting checks from everywhere. Everybody is negotiating everything. How do we have a normal election in America? I don't know how we do that anymore.
3: Uh, Sonny, there, there are several Republicans in Congress who've been a little bit concerned about um, some of the things that have happened this this week. Does it concern you that maybe the president is starting to see some cracks in his support amongst Republicans?
4: Those cracks have always existed. And, and it's necessary to have those cracks, because if not, think about how many other places in the world we would be right now if we left it up to some of these Republicans to uh, set the agenda as far as us being a policeman of the world. Um, I think that there's a, a very heavy strain within a Republican Party of people who don't mind borrowing money to send our troops into war zones and um, and to have people that are standing up against them and saying it's time to stop that. I think is one of the best things to happen to the Republican Party because we yeah, can, in I fairness, continue, though he's not
3: just seeing those cracks in w- with regard to Russia. I mean, he's starting to see I, a few cracks I'm when it comes about, to the masks
4: I wouldn't when it say, comes to masks
3: and coronavirus, we've had Senator Lamar like Lamar Alexander um specifically asked the president to wear a mask um a complete, we've seen mitch mcconnell starting to wear masks a we've seen wolf. fox and friends and people on fox sean hannity saying that the president should probably wear a mask and set an example he's is it is it concerning to you that maybe some people on the conservative side may be starting to point out even if they don't agree point out some of the places that the president should change
4: I'm sorry, I am a very, very, I'm very, very critical of the Republican Party. So no, it does not like it worry me. I'm happy about it. There needs to be reformation in the Republican Party. There needs Even to be amongst this Mitch McConnell? yes. I I I'm not a Mitch McConnell fan. And it is a it is time that new and fresh ideas are brought into the Republican Party, point blank and period. And the way that they are operating right now. And the fact that they are finally getting opposition instead of just spineless jellyfish who lay down whenever um, those higher above them tell them to is refreshing to me. It's it's not worrisome to me at all because I think that the direction that the Republican Party is going in, if they continue in this direction, they're going to annihilate themselves as a party. And I don't know if we are in place right now to have anything to, uh, to actually take that place. of a a second party and that kind of division, um, what that will look like, I I really don't know. But I am up for that as opposed to keeping the status quo of the Republican Party as it stands under the leadership of people like Mitch McConnell.
3: But if that's the case, John, I would imagine if the Republicans start to peel away, uh, that that totally kills the president's chances of of winning reelection even further. Am I wrong?
1: No, I, I totally agree with you. I think he's in huge trouble. Um, I think the whole Republican Party is in trouble at the moment. And I think it's going to get a lot worse with, with COVID's numbers getting worse. Um, I think that's really going to be at the end of the day in November. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Russia and Mueller and Russia Gate and all that stuff. But really what people are going to be grappling with is how many people do they know have died and i think that's why he's gonna lose i I just i think that reality unless uh you know a lot of tampering and and um suppression voter suppression happens and and i totally think that's possible and that's why i would urge that we need very large margins uh, in november to um battle the the arguments that are going to come probably starting election night
3: What that's a that's a concern for you. You think tampering? You think voter uh, suppression, fraud, voter suppression, maybe voter fraud? Do you think mail in voting is a is a a good idea or a bad idea? Of course, I do. Of course, I do. Are there
1: people who really don't think it's a good idea, Clay?
3: I, I I don't know if they do not think it's a good idea, or they just say they think it's not a good idea. I never exactly. can tell. But um, <laughs> but but, I, but but I think Sunny Sunny, how do you feel about mail in voting?
4: I don't think that there should be mail in voting except for the extenses of people who cannot get out to vote, and I understand that there are people that fit that circumstance and special waivers should be given to them. But a part of our responsibility as American citizens is to participate in the process, and that includes getting up, getting out, and being a part of the process.
3: So, Ida, what is your thought on, on on access to voting? Do you think mail-in voting should be universal around the country? Um, do you think, some people have talked about the need to take the voting process out of the hands of states and put it at the federal level and make federal elections governed by one particular uh, body so that we don't have 20,000 different voting election boards in all the different counties and states in the country. I mean, which way do you think is safer? Is there a way to improve it?
2: The funny thing is, is that it's it's the government that is regulating the government on what the government should do. So the people who are saying we should take it out of the hands of the states and put it at the federal level, is, it's just funny to me because as John stated, the corruption is the corruption and what it, it exists on all levels. Um, I don't, I do think, uh, in a pandemic that people should be able to mail in their vote specifically when the people who are being affected the most by the, um, the, the pandemic are those who are in those areas that people don't tend to care about. And, um, You know, I think that we have to reform our whole voting, the the whole voting process, the electoral college, all of that, you know, it's, it's been, it's built, built into a systemic Issue that we have to oppress people that has been in system for a very in, in place for a very long time. You're here. I don't understand why this is going to people think that that the, the government and the system that has been failing a, a lot of people for such a long time is going to change with one election. The whole thing, the whole thing needs a wash. So, I mean, I, I think that whether it's federal or state, if we have corrupt politicians. Again, on, you know, I don't I don't bang for any political party like I'm a Red Sox or Yankee fan. I am of the belief that uh, they are both trash and they have failed the people and there's so much corruption and it's rotting from the inside out that we need.
1: So you're an optimist is what you're saying. I I, I do. I do have a question about voting. Sonny, do do you do you think that that um, uh, voting day should election day should be a holiday?
4: I would have no problem if that's what uh, if we if that's what we decided to do as a country. I wouldn't see that as a problem at all. Nor would right. I uh, see a problem of opening up and having early voting uh, a couple of days right. before the election and opening access to that way so you can sh- um, so that you can uh, shrink the number of people that are there at one time during a pandemic. I think that there are ways that we can figure out how to do this, and I also think it's beneficial that we figure out. How to do this? Because if we look at the record, every ele- every president after this point is probably going to have to deal with some kind of pandemic because we are a globalist, because uh, we are a global world now, and because of travel, because of how easily everything is spread, and just by the record alone, this is something we are going to face again in the future. So I think that what we need to start doing now is if I take into what Aida said, and while we're reforming or trying to remove some of the corrupted areas, we should also be looking at designing it for the next century and what that looks like, especially with things like globalism and pandemics and just the things that we know are we going to have to deal with coming up in the future. So this gives us the perfect opportunity to, yes, remake the way that we look at our voting system, but also to make sure that we are preparing for things to happen in the future so that we don't get in this position again where we're trying to figure it out. This is a very good chance to do a good case study, figure out what's wrong, figure out what's right, and make sure that if this happens again in the process of going through an election cycle, we as American citizens have our right to vote protected and not just protected in the ballot booth, but protected overall by the structure.
3: I'm going to give you an award before the end of this show. I just believe you deserve it. You are very good at changing the subject, because I'm trying, trying to follow you, girl, and it is tough. And <laughs> I how, exactly to did I,
4: how exactly did I change <laughs> I wanna, the subject? Well,
3: no, because you, you, maybe you didn't change the subject, but you said something, and I thought, oh my gosh, I want to ask you a question about that. And then we ended up with a constitutional referendum by the end of it, practically. I want to talk I about your no, voting No, no, thing. no, no, no,
4: no, I say nothing about it. <laughs> I, I know don't, you didn't. I don't want these politicians touching the Constitution in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I don't trust a single one of them, and I would not give them access to file, um, to So planning, so in the plans, to, in, anyway. in, in the,
3: in the idea of making sure that we have laws that are appropriate, if we are in a situation like this in the future, because you did mention early voting, you did mention making sure that everyone has their right to vote protected in the voting booth. If we're, if early voting is on the table, if, uh, Other other access options are on the table. Polling places, polling locations to try to minimize the number of people who are at polling locations. Would you increase the number of polling places um, to make access more readily available to people who are um, who are trying to do their constitutional duty, their American patriotic duty to vote? Um, Do you think increasing would be a good a good way to help in a pandemic like this?
4: Yes, and 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 if I could say what I would say is instead of looking at if we can take state if we could take elections and move them up to to uh from state to federal, I would be looking in the other direction and looking at the citizens within certain communities and actually letting them see what is the best because these people are the people that know the easiest. Well, that's what a lot of them do, and and
3: I think they're I think a lot of them do that, but states tend to determine.
4: Exactly. And that's the that's the point. Their voices States tend
3: to determine certain things, for example, and, and I want to come carry, back to exactly what you were talking about, because you did say a probably. We're going to come back to exactly what you were talking about, because you said that you wanted to you thought that increasing polling places would be a good idea in a pandemic conduct Kentucky um, just last week when they had their uh, primary election. Actually decreased the number of polling stations. They went from 3,700 polling locations um, in 2018 down to 170 polling locations. So I'm assuming you would that would, in a pandemic that would be the wrong thing to do, right?
4: Not even in a pandemic. In any circumstance, that would be the wrong thing to do. Um, that is not a constructive way to run American elections. And I understand that people think. Okay, that- so
3: that's something I imagine you agree with her on, John. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, abs- absolutely. What's up? I am Machine Gun Kelly and look, I know Halloween is gonna suck this year because there's no trick-or-treating and all that, but I've got a treat. There's a musical podcast that I made with my friends 24K Golden, Ian Dior, and Dana Dentata and Satan. It's always Halloween.
2: It's always-
1: Well, Satan's
0: not my friend, but Tommy Lee is, and Tommy Lee is playing Satan. But don't just take it from me. Tell him, Satan. Thanks, dude. It feels great to be playing Satan on this podcast. This Halloween, listen to Halloween in Hell on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or whatever you get your podcasts on. Soundtracks available on Spotify, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. But I mean, like, everybody's got a podcast these days. But what would I know? I'm Satan, for God's sakes. Don't even get me started. After you listen to today's podcast, here's one to add to your playlist. I'm Christian O'Connell, and I've had this thought for a while. What if you took the world's funniest and most interesting people and asked them to share the stories behind their three most treasured items? When you said the idea, I thought, that's a really good idea. No doubt about it, the guitar. I think I know the the same chords now as I did when I was 14. You know what I mean? (laughs) From iHeartRadio, this is The Stuff of Legends. Add it to your playlist for free. Just search for Stuff of Legends in your podcast app. But but
1: I would still wonder, I, I, I haven't quite heard why you don't like mail in voting and why you think that's a bad idea, even though we've done it for years and years and years during World War Two in 1944. So many people, all the soldiers voted by mail. I mean, it's not. Are, are you worried about safe?
4: Have Sol- you ever voted soldiers- by mail, John? Soldiers have, voting yeah. by mail is is different, and and allotting them that ability to vote by mail, I'm fine with. a lot Allotting uh, nursing homes to vote by mail, I'm fine with. a lot Allotting any kind of. Uh, retirement areas that cities might specifically say, instead of pulling people out of these areas, how about we put a polling place in that area so that they don't have to travel out and take that risk? These are all things that we can, that we can start to do, put into place and design that actually serves the benefit of the citizen and protects their rights to vote, but also says you actually have to get up and participate in this process. That can, can I just ask cannot you cannot be left out.
1: I, I, I'm sorry, Clay, but I, I'm just still curious, why is it bad for other people to vote from, by mail? Non-soldiers, non-old people, because what's wrong with that? we should it?
4: get up and participate in the process. That is why. If you want to look at issues of. Have you ever voted by
3: mail before, Sonny? Have you ever done an absentee? No.
4: I I go, I get up, me and my husband, we go together, and we take our daughter with us because it is an important part of, of what we do as Americans. And we cannot continue to just sit. And say we have all of these corrupted politicians and we have all of these corrupted systems and we have all these metrics of oppression and then mail in our freaking vote. That's half of the problem with as apathetic as we become as American citizens that we do not understand how important that we are to this process and that we are in it and making sure it works for our benefit as opposed to just making it as easy as possible. We need to understand that our weight in this game is worth more than just mailing it in. And until we get a population that has that kind of intense focus on what is happening in the political sphere of this country, then we're going to continue to have the corruption that we see and are complaining about now.
3: So 64 percent of people uh, uh, support mail-in voting. So if you're making if you're going to construct a voting system that looks the way the people want it as you're saying as it work that that works for the people then wouldn't it stand to reason that if 64% of americans say that they want mail in voting that that's the system that we should have if we're building one that works for the people
4: no because the one we have the system we have gives localities and states the ability to vote for that so we do have states like washington that do that does that do mail in voting I'm not saying burn their system to the ground. If that's what they've chosen... No, but you said you, means, wanted
3: poll- you said you yes. wanted a system that worked for the people, and the people have said in the polls people that in they what? want mail-in but voting.
4: We don't have a national system where national people get to vote for everything across the nation. We have a system speci- specifically set up to let localities decide that and states to decide that. So like I said, if Washington decides it wants to have ma- mail-in ballots, I am not suggesting we go in and burn down their system and implement mine. That is fine for them if that is what they chose. If you're giving me the choice of what I am going to vote for and what I am going to support, then my answer is going to be no. And I am going to try my best to fight for systems that so work So you would say a system direction. that
3: allowed you to go and vote in person is what you would want to do. And perhaps, Ida, if you wanted to vote by mail, you would be able to do that. Would that work? Ida, for you?
2: <laughs> well, the thing is that a no. the, the reason a lot of people don't go out um, and can't afford to vote is because they have jobs where they're not making a living wage and they cannot afford to go to go stand in a line for five hours. Um, there are a lot of reasons why people mail in the vote. Now, one of the things that I hear and um, and with Sonny and 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 I, as a a person of color, who's my grandmother came here in the fifties and was submerged, emerged, she was dropped right off into the civil rights movement. She would always tell us it was important for us to go vote because we were voting for our ancestors because they were not able to vote and it meant something to us and it means something to us. But, um, in terms of me regulating, you know, the country, we have so many um, imbalances in our system right now. And and what you saw in Kentucky, you know, was that was a great disservice to the people of Kentucky, all of them who were banking on those doors, trying to get in so that they could vote. And it was by design. And that's what all of this stuff has been. It's been by design for centuries, for decades. And we, we can go back and count, you know, it's no accident that that was happening and the pandemic is being used as a, as a tool to, you know, enable a lot of the oppressive tools that, that, you know, the American, the American government that utilizes against its people. But, um, you know, I, I have mailed in my vote because I work where I have to travel all the time and I'm not in town and I have to mail in my vote because it is important for me to to surrender su- my vote. There are some people who have autoimmune diseases. There are people, I think that, you know, um, when we start thinking about the way America works and how, you know, th- where we are today and what people have to do in order to get to vote, which has become, you know, quite an issue and a conversation, which is why we're having this conversation right now and you hear it all the time, is because there are so many imbalances in, in American voting That, you know, it's making the people nervous It's making the people very nervous because, I mean, I I mean, I don't know if you looked out your window, but what's happening in America today is very, you know, we're constantly being gaslighted and we're constantly looking at the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. The reality of it is, is that it's all connected to voting because there's there is a reason why these things have been happening under this administration and the last and the American people have been dumbed down and we are getting our information from Twitter. And the truth is, is that a lot of things haven't changed or improved from, for people, you know, people of color, poor people from Obama to Donald Trump and if we don't start really paying attention to our local government and really understanding what our vote means because a lot of people say our votes don't mean anything and i would beg to differ because if they didn't mean anything they would not have locked those people out in kentucky there wouldn't be well let's
3: let's move to a to a, a some a topic where some people would say that maybe a few people did see some things for them improve over the last few weeks the supreme court uh, yeah. handed down a few decisions over the past two weeks that have surprised, I think, a lot of court watchers um, because they handed down decisions that uh, upheld DACA. They handed down decisions that said that um, being LGBT was not um, something that people could discriminate for, for uh, in job, in employment. Um, and they upheld or struck down a uh, anti-abortion law uh, in Louisiana just this week. And in each of those cases, Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts sided with the justices who typically vote with the liberal side. And in the LGBT employment case, um, Supreme Court Justice Gorsuch, uh, who was nominated by Donald Trump, actually sided with John Roberts and the liberals to say that you cannot fire someone for being gay. Is... That, that's ironic to me a little bit, Sonny, because um, certainly Supreme Court Neil Gorsuch was somebody who was touted by the president as being a conservative justice in the mold of Antonin Scalia. Um, but his vote and his decision, he actually wrote the decision in that case, uh, was not one that I think most people would say Antonin Scalia would have would have held. And John, John Roberts has three times in the past two weeks voted with the Liberals. Um, What does that say to you about the direction of the Supreme Court, Sonny, and, and with Justice Gorsuch's decision, what does that say to you about President Trump's ability to appoint a Supreme Court justice who will make decisions that satisfy his base?
4: The j- Supreme Court justices are not supposed to satisfy a base. They're not supposed to satisfy a political party. So even if I were to say I... I disagree with what they did, it wouldn't change the fact that that is not why they're there. They're not there to go off of my opinion or my political ideology as to how they see and rule a case. So I think that this shows that you can have objectivity in the Supreme Court. And I think that that would be important, uh, important for all of us going forward, that they are looking at it case by case and not based on an ideological rule. And out of all of that, sometimes we're going to agree with what they come out with and we're going to disagree with well, um, sometimes with what they come out with. But I think that at least goes to show that there is some level of objectivity still left um, in the Supreme Court. And we as a country should be able to cheer that and realize that if we can have one institution that is not separated down a political line, but actually looking at the function of their job as their primary uh, metric, then I think that that is a win for the American people. And that's just John, is John Roberts
3: moving it. to the left. John is, is <laughs> no, Chief Justice I'm moving to the left
1: way more cynical um, than Sonny, starting with, you know, uh, 2000 um, and the Supreme court in in Gore V Bush about the, a political nature um, of the Supreme Court, which is to say, I, I don't think there is an apolitical nature that Sonny um, is talking about. I would argue that I think this is actually um, possibly a really cynical move by Roberts, um, because as as the as the as the um, Chief Justice, he has a, a somewhat larger responsibility to not just. Uh, the court, but the the Supreme court as an institution. And it, it certainly feels when you, when you have five, four decisions, it's, it's a very, very tricky thing. We're, we're not supposed to have five, four decisions. And it's only been in the last 15, 20 years that we're getting so many of these, these really tight decisions. And because of exactly what Sonny was saying, that people are starting to be cynical like me and think that that's all politics, i.e. Gore v. Bush and most of the 99% of the of the Roberts Court's rulings are very political and, and a loss uh, across political lines or, or you know, uh, written across uh, along political lines. Um so uh, I think this is these are these are issues of institutionalism and making sure that the court doesn't have the 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 smell of over politicizing events.
3: Um, Ida, should we should we regret take back um, or sh- no, I shouldn't say we should folks who opposed um, Gorsuch's nomination give him credit uh, and take back some of the the. Sky is falling rhetoric um, that they <laughs> threw at him during his nomination. If he has sided with um, a pretty, pretty groundbreaking landmark decision, especially at, for gay rights,
2: no, um, I don't think anyone should take back anything that they felt and said if they said it and from their pure from a place of authenticity. I mean, if people are uninformed and they're just going by what is trending on Twitter, then maybe they should do a little more research and know what's going on. I don't think you should give credit to politicians for doing the jobs that they're supposed to be doing. Um, I used to bring home A's to my dad, and he would say, "What do you want a cookie? That's what you're supposed to be doing. You don't get a you don't get props for getting an A." Um, I think that you know the people who feel like the sky the sky is falling feel like the sky is falling for various reasons. I think that you know when you look at the political the political landscape of today, it's a mess. I mean, you have you know, from, you just got politicians behaving in a way that is, you know, I mean, we have we seen this before? We've seen them with the outliers, but now it, it's become the standard. And I do think that there are political motivations for why people do things in government and the Supreme Court is not exempt. But um, their job is to be objective. Their job is to do their job. And I don't know why, you know, we we got to take back what we felt about you know people who we don't have have a history of being politically motivated and driven, um so no, I don't think anybody should take anything back, and I think we should stay woke because I do believe that you know um all of it all of it is all i mean it's all connected, and there's uh, there's so much happening at one time, and we do need to be vigilant of the government because while we're praising for one thing happening over here, something horrible is happening over there, and it's It's just too much to keep up with at this time.
3: Okay, I want to take a few questions from our listeners. They send them in to us at Politicon on Twitter and Instagram. You can send yours in on Twitter or Instagram at Politicon, or you can email them to us at podcasts at politicon.com. And we had a few come in for all three of you. So each of you's got a few um, this week. Uh, Sunny, we'll start with you. Sylvia from Burlington. Uh, there's a lot of Burlington, so not sure which state that's from. Sylvia says Trump said he did not hear the racists in the villages retweet. How is that possible?
4: He didn't look at it and he retweeted it like an idiot without listening to it.
3: That is, I mean, that if, is a quick if answer. If OK, that's what there you go.
4: if that's okay. how it ha- if if that's how it happened, that could be the only way it could have happened. Right.
3: Okay, okay. Honest answers. That's what we're here for. John, Donna from Cedar Rapids. Mitch McConnell is wearing a mask. Is that a message to the Trump campaign?
1: Of course it is. (laughs) Of course it is. Yes, they they, they know they are in trouble, and they've got to fix it, and they've got to do it fast.
3: Ida, uh, David from L.A., right there, maybe he's near you. Is now the time for universal health care?
2: Every uh, you know, I I feel like always is the time for universal health care, especially during this pandemic where you see so many disparities in, uh, you know, in this, in the the treatment of the people who are coming down with COVID, and it's not just black and brown people; it's poor white people. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a I'm a universal health care person all the time. It, it doesn't I, I don't waver from that. I don't think it should be conditional. I think you know, health a okay. you know, right, not a privilege.
3: Sonny Art from Jacksonville says if the polls don't pick up soon, will Trump drop out?
4: No, I don't think he'll drop out. I think he will use every excuse he can to say why the system was against him, as opposed to actually putting together a coherent plan to reach outside of his base to more people.
3: OK, I don't usually stop um, during these, but I'm going <laughs> to stop and ask you um, that same. Seem- Both of those last two answers, Sonny, surprise me. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, well, I'll wait till we get to the last one for you. Um, but those surprise me from you, John. I'll move on to you for right now. Kenneth from Tampa asks, Biden in the basement seems to be working. How can he fuck it up?
1: How can he fuck it up? Um, I don't I, I really I really think he can't. I mean, I guess if he went out and I, I really I think this election is such a referendum on Trump and Trump is such a unique, historically awful candidate figure and incumbent and human being that that I I, I really think. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything he could do. Okay, he, he can
2: talk. That's what he can do. If he goes out there and starts talking <laughs>
1: Okay.
3: Yep. Ida, that that leads me right to the next question for you. Jason, who uh, sent us a message via uh, Twitter, asks, what's your favorite thing about Joe Biden? <laughs>
2: um, my favorite thing about Joe Biden is those memes that they had when Obama was president and it was um, him saying things that were <laughs> inappropriate. That's my favorite thing about Joe Biden. Um, you know, uh, I think that him being quiet has been effective in the, in the truth that Donald Trump isn't quiet. Um, But I'm a, I'm very afraid of Joe Biden's mouth because Joe Biden, um, you know, the proof is in the pudding. You can pull up reels of things that, that he said that has have been offensive and inappropriate and just wrong. But um, my favorite thing about him is, um, I don't know. I don't. I'm, 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 you gave us the memes. That works. Are you going to vote for him? Mm-hmm. Am I going to vote for him? Yes. I have no choice
3: okay. at this point. Okay.
2: Like um, no Sunny,
3: Sunny, Javier from New York City. When will the Europeans allow Americans to travel there again?
4: <laughs> um, as soon as they realize how devastating it's for their economy to keep travel out. And and once they realize that, you're going to see a new standard. But I think that they are kind of wagging their finger back in Donald Trump's face for um, all the criticisms that he has put over them over the last four years. And this is kind of their only way to be like, nah, 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 nah. And they're taking advantage of it. But uh, for a region that kind of does uh, rely on uh, the economics of travel... It, they won't be able to sustain it for long okay
3: John Teresa from San Francisco uh, asked is it time for a constitutional convention
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes but uh i, I don't but think only we your side gets
3: to make the rules
1: <laughs> uh, you are right but I, I don't I mean yes we we do need a rethinking structurally of, of some things Ida has brought up some excellent points, as has Sunny on on basic structural problems that we have, some of which would have to be requiring a, a constitutional convention, i.e. the Electoral College, for example. The Electoral College is really an awful thing and has only failed us, in my opinion, every time... The electoral college has trumped the popular position, as it were. I would say the population was right in 2000. I would say the population was right in 2016. They made the right choice, uh, uh, but the system is rigged, and we got what we got. So, but, but in 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 practice, it would be such a disaster that I, I think it would do more harm than good.
3: The constitutional convention, you're saying? Yes. Okay. Um, Ida, Nora from Orlando, the mainstream media model encourages outrage. Is it encouraging extremism?
2: Absolutely. I think that when you think about, um, first of all, when you think about mainstream media and you talk about people who are actually having conversations on air about politics who never went to school for journalism and are not actual journalists and they have reality shows that we think are news programs, Absolutely. Um, it is because it is feeding extremism. Um, again, I, I am not talking about a specific political party. I'm talking about across the board. Um,
3: you think both sides oh, have yeah. those yeah, networks? We can't
2: even have conversations anymore. Like people who have who are conservative versus people who are liberal. When you think about the conversations and I'm I'm a liberal, so I, I'm I am. Um, you know, and, and I'm a liberal with it, with some conservative values, which you can't say anymore because now being a eccentric is a bad word. Being a centrist is a bad word. Being somebody you can't even claim your, your political affiliation without offending somebody else. Absolutely. Do I think they're feeding it? They feed it every day. And unfortunately for people who get most of their information from the new, these news programs, which they don't realize are, you know, personalities who are selling books. You know, I'm a stand-up comedian, so I work in New York, where I'll see, you know, Ann Coulter and Bill Maher are friends, and you see people having fights about the things that Ann Coulter and Bill Maher said, and they don't realize that they're both rich people who enjoy a different type of life than the working-class person in this country, and they fall for that stuff all the time. So. Do I think they are feeding extremism? And yes, I think it's unfortunate that you have to go to several outlets so that you can find the mean story about of what's happening because everywhere you go, it has a spin.
3: Uh Sunny, you you talked about your prediction. I guess it was in a prediction, because uh you, you didn't think that president would drop drop out of the race if his polling didn't pick up but um you did you did say that you thought he would make excuses to say how it was rigged against him or, or blame. do you think that that's a form of extremism? How do you feel like extremism plays into our daily life more or less than it used to and and is it a is it a real problem? Do you think
4: I agree I agree with what Ida said about how in the mainstream, you see the the outskirts being a lot louder than the people in the middle and the more centric voices so you're not allowed to have decent conversations where you might disagree with people but you're able to walk away in a respectful manner and i think that they are trying to kill that ability for us as american citizens just to conversate with each other converse with each other and i think that we need to make sure that we are protecting us and i appreciate you having me on the show today because it kind of exhibits everything that's wrapped up into that. But when you talk about Trump, I don't think that that's extremism. I just think that that's ego. And to have it him to have to excuse away his ego or his loss of ego is going to be the biggest motivator of that as opposed to anything radical or ideological or politically uh, related. I think that that, he has shown more than anything that that is the most important thing to him. And I think that that is what he'll be guarding the most.
3: So, but that, but that sort of riling up the base from him, do you think that contributes to extremism or do you just think it's a byproduct of it?
4: No, I think that the, the extremism is pushed by the failure of government to look at the needs of the American citizens and actually meet them. And as long as you are not meeting the needs of the American citizens, you're going to get extremists. You're going to get people on the fringes that say that they have solutions and their solutions are going to push us further, further in whatever direction you want to look. You know what I'm saying? Right or left, because you have them on both. And and that is what happens when you are not addressing the problems of the American people. And like I just said earlier, that involves understanding how local government works, making sure you know who is on your local ballot, making sure you understand how that government functions at its lowest and most basic form. And they have, like she said, dumbed down our civics so much that we don't even look at the power that we have in the government that is closest to us. And I think that that's where All of these problems are going to be solved if they are going to be solved. And if they are not solved and if they are not addressed through local level politics, then you're going to hear the fringes get louder and louder and they are going to start to overpower more and more of the people in the middle.
3: Yeah, John, I mean, I think Sonny's certainly got a point that that when people are frustrated with their government not doing what they feel needs to be done, they get angry. but. How is it is it possible for the government to know what to do if the sounds are both coming only from the far left and only from the far right? Aren't they gonna always make half the people unhappy?
1: Who when you say they? The government?
3: Politicians, or, our government.
1: <clears throat> it's not their responsibility to to manage um, social media and uh, uh, MSNBC and Fox. Um, I, I don't think it's it's it? it's their it, uh, it's their responsibility. Unless I mean, we had laws at respons- one time. MSNBC had and, MSNBC's it. responsibility well, to get
3: better ratings.
1: <laughs> well, we had laws. You know, I'm probably the oldest person on on, on at the moment, and we had laws of fair practices and. Both sides got equal time, and there were all these things that were broken, that were made right after Watergate, and then were all broken in Clinton and Bush um, years. And uh, not broken, but the the laws relapsed or or uh, taken away. Or, uh, and so suddenly it's the Wild West, and anybody can do what they want. I, I think the solutions were literally what Ida. Uh, and Sunny both really said so perfectly. I mean, I, I don't have anything to add to what, what they said about the solutions. Um, but I, I think the, the problem is severe, and it's 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 not going to be uh, resolved easily. Well, we'll we'll leave it on
3: that note of positivity right there, um, John. You uh you have a new ad that you have put out, and you've got a movie um coming out uh pretty soon. Yeah, don't worry it about
1: it. Uh, no. Well, yes. Well, my I do my worry is, about it. I'm interested. Uh, 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 yes. We had an ad from the Lincoln project um, drop a couple days ago. And then uh, I'm working on a mini series uh, for, for Apple Plus and. Uh, uh, Does it Con have Hanks a title? Can we look for Steven? it? It's called masters of the air, but uh, we are not, we COVID has sort of slowed the production yeah. for a moment. Um, so it's not quite finished.
3: Well, I imagine that that is going to be a hot second till everybody gets back to work in production, but we will exactly. be looking for masters of the air when it comes out. You can also, uh, see band of brothers is on HBO max right now. If you want to go yep. back and see some of John's, uh, Emmy nominated work. Uh, You can do that there. Um, Ida, where can we, where can we see you? You're still, your show's on Netflix. Um, Your show with Tiffany Haddish is on Netflix uh, streaming right now. If people haven't seen it, they can see that. Where else can we see you?
2: Fridays, I have a visual podcast on, uh, that I stream live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. It's called Truth Serum, where we talk about social. Truth Serum. Yeah, we have, uh, we have, we talk about social and political issues from the perspective of people of color, because, um. When you watch Fox News or CNN, you always have the puppets that belong to, you know, the establishment. And you don't get to see the people who actually, you know, have varied point of views about different issues, social and political alike. So and we like to bring humor to it. So it's on Fridays at 12 p.m. Pacific time. And I'm working on my new special for HBO Max, which will be coming out next year and my scripted series with HBO Max. So those are the things I'm working on. And um, you can find me on social media at FunnyAIDA, um, on Twitter and Instagram, and then on Facebook, it's IdaAIDA.Rodriguez. And I don't fight with people on social media
3: there there you go you're 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 in the in the minority there i think yeah. <laughs> cuz that's what most people use twitter for yeah. Sonny, i got to tell you if you also have a show on hbo max uh, i'm quitting cuz i'll be <laughs> the only one who doesn't <laughs> at
1: that now, point where do we
3: see you
4: <laughs> i have um a, ser- a show on serious and patriot every single saturday 1 to 3 p.m. eastern is called sunny's corner we look at black conservatism it is a black conservative centric show and it's probably one of the only ones on the right that effectively um, actually talks about Black conservatism as a as opposed to like the lily white version that's put in mainstream America.
3: And you've got a podcast still, or is you still doing the? Did you say uh, that podcast? N-
4: no, it will be coming back, but we uh, we took a bit of a hiatus from it uh, to get some other things straight. We're going to be announcing soon.
3: Nice, P- serious patriot, serious sex and Patriot Channel One Twenty Five on Saturdays at one and I'll just be sitting right here in Raleigh and I'll see, I'll be back here next week um, with another <laughs> episode. Please, if you, um, if you, if you are listening, they tell me, you guys are, are better at podcasts. You've done these. Um, They tell me that you're supposed to ask people to like, and rate and review. I guess I get a. I guess they'll give me a sandwich if um we get good reviews. Maybe. Uh, so uh, like, subscribe, rate, and review. How the heck are we going to get along? Um, come back here next Thursday for um a special episode we have coming up next week. We'll um hopefully be announcing a little bit more about that later on in the uh, in the week for you. But um I just want to make sure I say a big thank you to Sunny, um to to Ida and to John for being with us tonight. We'll make sure that all their social media links are included with this episode. Thank you guys so much for being here. It's always nice to have a conversation with opposing viewpoints that, where, where people listen. And I appreciate the three of you uh, for doing that. Thanks. And we'll be back next week with How the Heck Are We Gonna Get Along.
2: On September 17th, 2009, 24-year-old Maitrice Richardson disappeared without a trace in the woods near Malibu, California and was never seen alive again. I'm Katherine Townsend, host of the podcast Helen Gone. We're going to try to find out what really happened to Maitreese Richardson. School of Humans and iHeartRadio present Helen Gone Season 3. Listen to Helen Gone on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: After you listen to today's podcast, here's one to add to your playlist. I'm Christian O'Connell, and I've had this thought for a while. What if you took the world's funniest and most interesting people... Hello, I'm Ricky Gervais. Celeste Barber.
2: Don't ever call me Beyonce?
0: I'm Russell Brand. ...and asked them to share the stories behind their three most treasured items. No doubt about it, the guitar. I think I know the same chords now as I did when I was 14. From iHeartRadio, this is The Stuff of Legends. Add it to your playlist for
1: free. Just search for Stuff of Legends in your podcast app.